everybody and welcome along to episode 10 of Arsehole Animals with Alice. I'm your host, Alice Vasalo, and today we are splashing our way to underwater arseholery, daring to explore the dastardly deeds of every little girl's favourite childhood animal. Today we're discussing dolphins. I'll give you a quick rundown of this species and then we'll bring on our guest. Dolphins are aquatic mammals that are part of the infraorder Cetacea. The term dolphin informally refers to the most common type of dolphin in our sea parks and pop culture, the bottlenose dolphin. However, it also encompasses many other species that live in both oceans and rivers. What you also may not know is that the orca, or the killer whale, is actually the largest species of dolphin in the world. In short, there are a lot more dolphins out there than you think. Dolphins can live in pods of up to a dozen and will also occasionally band together to form superpods of over a thousand individuals in areas where there's lots of food. They communicate with each other through a series of clicks and whistles, among other noises. What's interesting is that each dolphin will make a signature whistle that is specific to them. What researchers believe is their equivalent to a name. We all know dolphins are curious and cheeky individuals, approaching boats and humans with the same sort of fascination we have for them. They are thought to be one of the most intelligent species on our planet, with specialised neurons in their brain that play a part in social conduct, emotion, judgement and theory of mind. All of the things that the Tories are lacking. However, with intelligence comes the potential for arseholery, and although dolphins can be incredibly gentle and caring towards each other, they also engage in behaviours that would raise an eyebrow of even the most dastardly of our politicians, including group-forced intercourse and infanticide. Sorry kids, dreams crushed. But that's nature, baby. Which is why we're making this episode into a two-parter. There's a lot of asshole behaviour to explore. One episode just isn't enough. So now that you're all clued up about dolphins, let's bring on our guest. Brilliant. And now it's time for me to introduce my amazing guest. He's a wildlife filmmaker, National Geographic explorer and star of the Disney Plus show Epic Adventures with Bertie Gregory, the daring, the bold. Bertie Gregory is here. Thank you so much, Bertie, for coming on the podcast today. No, not at all. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk dolphins with you today. Um, we set this up and I thought, finally, this is such a great time to talk about an animal that I think, you know, a lot of young girls grow up and it's their favorite animal, right? And we kind of know that sometimes they can be a little bit of a jerk. Like that's that's just how it is in nature. But I'm really excited to sort of delve into this behavior and sort of figure out what's going on in their heads today. So do you think we can change people's minds about dolphins today? Yeah, I think so. And I guess I should caveat with this by saying that dolphins, many species, there are several species of dolphins that are amongst my favorite animals. Yeah. Um, so by no means am I saying that I don't like them. No, no, I just, that's it. I just want to reveal <laughs> maybe a different side to them that I, I guess often is left out. Exactly right. I think this, uh, it is. And to me, to, me that, to me, that actually makes them even more yeah, endearing. You, you like them a bit more. Yeah. I love sassy animals. I really do. One of my favourite species to work with are Asian small otters. 
I will tell every single person at one of my talks at the zoo that they are bitey gremlins. And I will say that to people. They are bitey gremlins from hell. I love them. They're amazing. But, you know, these animals, just like us as humans, they have good sides and bad sides. And I think it's important that everybody uh, knows the good and bad side, because that's the sort of fun part of nature, of analyzing animal behavior like that. So that's a good caveat. I think it's important. But we, we always say these things with love, don't we? If, even if things are jerks, like it's always meant with love and respect for the animal in question. But with that in mind, Bertie, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask every single guest on this podcast, which is, what animal do you think of when you hear the word well that's a big question uh, it's um, a big, the biggest some might say and i mean i said i wanted to talk about dolphins when when you first said oh which which animal do you want to talk about that's a bit of a jerk and and i think the the biggest species of dolphin the killer whale for me is yeah. sort of the, the, the ultimate jerk yeah um and and i think that's just because they are the ocean's top predator and yeah. imagine as a as the ocean's top predator literally swimming around and everything you bump into you can eat. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are incredibly intelligent and that means that they use their brains to to hunt just the most unbelievable variety of, of species and they do so with terrifying efficiency. Oh and yeah. I've been fortunate enough to film film them, yeah, carrying out some of those very special strategies. I think that's such a good answer as well, because I think um, I haven't really um, dived, forgive my sort of use of language, into marine mammal behavior very much. And I think, first of all, I think a lot of people are shocked to realize that orcas are dolphins. Like that's yeah. a, a thing that people are like, what? They thought they were whales. Oh, my God. So I think that's a really good point. I actually I do want to do like a separate episode on orcas compared to kind of dolphins we're talking kind of mostly smaller dolphins i'm sure a bit today but um maybe orcas deserve their own episode because yeah their their level of intelligence i, I usually well, find well it's funny it's funny part of this you're you're already calling them orca um and 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 that is that is the term that everyone loves to call them yeah and i, I think that's partly like a pr stunt because people don't want to call them killer whales. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned they're a dolphin. As far as I know, and I'd love to be corrected if I am wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is true. The reason that we call them killer whales, even though they're dolphins, is that um, the, the the translation was kind of messed up. I think the Norwegians named them. Hmm. And they we really should be calling them whale killers, because that's what they are. Oh. Um, or or that's, that's what many of them are. Yeah. And so I, I think we shouldn't shy away from the fact that they're killer whales. Like That is what makes them special. Uh, or yeah. part of the thing that makes them special and so we should celebrate that and so that's why uh i always call them killer whales and not orca because that's you know part of their amazingness is that they have these extraordinary hunting strategies and yeah yeah that should be that should be celebrated and i and i can't take credit for that uh i work a lot with a um a world leading whale biologist called lee hickmott mm -hmm. and the, the we we went to film killer whales together in antarctica wow. and i started talking about orca at the start of the the shoot and he said i'm just going to stop you there we're going to be calling them killer whales for the duration of this trip and wow. here's why and, and since then uh yeah since then to me they're killer whales that's amazing what a cool like little like snippet i you know you're right it's um first of all i like the word orca i like the way it sounds but yeah because killer whale sounds just very intense isn't it but i actually like that we're sort of embracing embracing that and sort of accepting the mistranslation and sort of turning it on its head a bit that is awesome so we should be referring to them as killer whales or whale killers. Would you, would you call them whale killers just casually? Like people would just wouldn't know what you mean, I suppose. Hey, 
No, and that's maybe a little too too on the nose. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> too on the nose for that. So that's a that's a really good point. So we're saying killer whales for the um I think that's a good one. I definitely do want to explore more specifically their behavior, I think, in another episode. Maybe we'll have to come back on and talk uh, killer whales later down the line. But the, um, so what is your, well, first of all, we'll go back to sort of um, what we perceive, what the public, let's say, perceives as as dolphin dolphins, you know, not to say that all killer whales aren't, but um, we'll talk about sort of the smaller species of dolphins. What's, um, what's your experience with dolphins over the years? So dolphins are an amazing animal to be in the water with. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, there's lots of species, well, I should say that part of the reason that I love filming in the ocean as opposed to on land, not to say I don't love filming on land, but part of the magic of filming underwater is that because you're limited by the visibility of water uh, you have to be much closer to your subject generally on land you're using a big long zoom lens and compressing the distance between you and the animal whereas underwater you have to be close and that means that that the animal has to be comfortable with your presence um and so you, you have these really intimate encounters with these animals um and and many animals sort of look at you and you don't really feel anything um yeah. but there's it's very clear that when you're swimming and underwater with a dolphin, it, it's 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 looking into, yeah. your, you know, into you. It wants to know what you are and how yeah. you are. And you know that it's scanning you with its echolocation. So um, yeah, that's I, I think that's part, part part of the magic of it. Um, I, I think the general perception of dolphins is that they're these very friendly, happy, playful animals, mm-hmm. and that is certainly a part of them. Sure. Um, but I, I it's, I've also been quite shocked with with some of the things that they do to each other Ooh. it's not very nice yeah um and, and the things they do to other species so yeah they they i think there's a side to them that is is often not included uh, um, because it's 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 quite hard to stomach sometimes it, yeah it's pg 15 and above you know it, it, it's, it's it, not it, it's not disney exactly. level uh, sort of filming coverage okay. <laughs> have you got any particularly memorable experiences that you're willing to share with us today uh, yeah, so I, I, we went for uh, my series on Disney Plus, Epic Adventures. We went to try and film spinner dolphins. Um, mm. And the reason we were trying to film them in the tropical eastern Pacific, so off the coast of Panama and Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were we were trying to film them because they form these massive pods, some of the biggest dolphin pods in the world. You can get 5,000 dolphins in, in, you know, spinner dolphins in a pod together. Crazy. So we went to try, well, it would have been crazy if we'd found it, but the, they decided to, to leave. Uh, and we didn't see them. We spent three weeks looking for them. Yeah. And the guides that we were working with were like, yeah, this is the first time they've ever done this, oh, which crap. seems to be happening more and more these days yeah. um, with the weird weird world that we live in. But the lovely thing about Mother Nature is that uh, if you are passionate and you're persistent, you read the environment and work with great people, which we were lucky enough to do. She might deny you seeing some things, but she'll gift you with others. I love that. Uh, and although we didn't get to see... Uh, spinner dolphins in in the huge numbers we'd hoped we ended up coming across a lot of spotted dolphins and we ended up getting in on two bait balls so that's when their their prey species kind of bunches up in a tight ball and the sort of grand finale to our our trip was was getting in the we saw birds on the horizon birds are usually your friend when you're looking for marine mammals for dolphins particularly we got in the water there's this huge ball of lantern fish which are a a really cool little little fish but the baby was like the size of a house wow. um and over the period of a few hours we had about 100 spotted dolphins 500 yellowfin tuna as big as me uh, a bunch of mobula rays yeah uh, and all the birds and it was just this big ocean feast 
Um, And it was, it was one of the, the most intense encounters I've ever had underwater, especially because of the tuna. Uh, they're like the the guided missiles of the the, the the wildlife world. They rip in at 40, 40 plus miles an hour. Yeah. And when they're they're bigger than us, and there's five hundred of them, that's I was pretty say intimidating. It's dangerous. Like surely, if you get hit by one. Well, of those... I mean, if you I, if you got hit, it would be really bad, and maybe even lights out. But um, you have to remember that they are ad- adapted to swim around in these huge groups, yeah. and so if if they can avoid. 500 of their of their friends they can avoid 501 yes um, yeah yeah good point i was also fairly stationary and not swelling around like a tuna yes. um so yeah it, it was amazing how they avoided each other actually i don't think i ever saw them bump into each other that's amazing what an incredible and a humbling experience as well surely just out in the in the ocean for nothing but water for miles and just being in this uh, this crazy feeding frenzy that that must have been insane yeah, well, I mean, a lot of species of dolphins live in the high seas, you know, the mm. areas between international borders. And so a lot of their behavior goes completely unnoticed because it's out of sight and out of mind. And yeah. That's, the, that's the, the wonderful thing about looking in the high seas is that it's very hard to find things. But when you do, uh, you know, you, you, you often see things that have, that have very rarely been seen before. And that's, oh, my God. That's pretty exciting. What an, what an amazing opportunity as a filmmaker to be able to capture that as well. Like there must have been just, yeah, the money shot. You're just like, oh, I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad I'm, I'm able to capture this moment. That is absolutely yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to think that that's sort of how, how, my, how, how your brain remembers it in hindsight. But mm. the reality is when you're in that much action, it's, it's part uh, terrifying, not because the animals are scary, but part terrifying because you're like, wow, I'm seeing something this incredible. Now I've got to do justice to it. Yeah. Um, but then I think partly I, I kind of get into a flow state where, you know, you sort of forget that time passes and, and yeah. you, know, you, you wonder how long you've actually been in the water and suddenly, yeah, it's it's four hours later. Um, yeah, so bloody yeah, hell. Oh, my God. And um, well, actually going back to the um, the dolphin behavior, maybe you can answer this with with um, regard to that memory itself. I mean, we um, we do sort of gently know, I think, as as members of the public, that dolphins, although they seem happy and cute, that they they might have a like a little bit of a malicious side or a, a little bit of a dark side to them um, because of their intelligence. And I, I just wanted to ask what you think that the sort of root of their asshole behavior is. Is it their level of intelligence, and they're just curious and kind of want to mess with you and see what see what's going on, and they're just uh, curious about what's their environment? Yeah, and I, I would say that very rarely have, well, if, uh, very rarely are dolphins, if ever, assholes to people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's more to other other species. I guess you could argue that they're 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 sometimes not very nice to um, their keepers if kept in captivity. Sure. But uh, you and I would both agree that that's a totally unacceptable thing to be yeah. keeping a, a a big intelligent marine mammal like that in, in captivity. Yeah. Um, and and so it's kind of justified, uh, really, that they're upset uh, it's a a tough one isn't it because I mean I it's a tough position I think and I'll interject I'm so sorry with just because I'm a zookeeper and it's it's such a tough one with cetaceans in captivity and because I I think every single zookeeper personally has their maybe this is a bit of a controversial statement or a bit of a controversial topic every zookeeper I think has their their ethical line right in terms of what does work well in captivity and what doesn't and, you know, without going into much detail as to how I feel, because there's certain species that I feel in captivity, we just aren't getting it right. 
we aren't able to provide the the care that they need to match uh, what they're receiving in the wild. I think um, I think it is important to to understand that I'm sure the keepers are taking as much as as good a care as they can, but whether or not it's just the the ethics of whether or not they should be in captivity is a is a good topic. I don't. It's one of those things. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to say that. Um, I think that's. I think that's yeah. a can of worms. Um, I did, it I is. Think, well, I think you and I would uh, would agree that you know we we would much rather uh, you know anim- animals be. We I think we both agree that animals have a much better time running around having a lovely time in the wild. Um, that said, it's very important. I believe that some animals need to uh, you know are, are taking one for the team. Uh, and, yeah. and inspiring uh, and educating people that would otherwise never get to experience sure. or see those animals. But then the flip side of it is that that argument is not justified with with certain species. Yes, uh, in my opinion, like, yes. Like I, I, yeah, I agree. And I 100% agree with that statement. There's, um, and I think, yeah, every person in the animal industry has a different, a slightly different thing. Some people would say octopus. You know, they don't do well. I mean, we know that like things like large sharks, like great whites, just don't do well in captivity. We know things like three-toed sloth don't do well in captivity. Uh, it's a whole can of worms. But I uh, I just didn't, I didn't want to, I agree with your point, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to not acknowledge that the the people looking after the dolphins are obviously very, you know, knowledgeable and they're very passionate about what they do and they want to work hard for the animals sure. I mean, question. Like, like, yeah like anything controversial there's nuance to it that's um, it that's it exactly it's, it's such a gray area that's exactly it but yeah you're completely right it's um they do much better obviously in that in that vast open ocean where they're able to express way more natural behaviors in a more natural environment than they ever could um in captivity but yeah you think so you think the the behavior that they exhibit that might be deemed by our standards a sort of dick, a dick move, you know, dick behavior is, is because of their level of intelligence. It's because they, yeah. yeah I think also a lot that, I mean, they're very social and yeah. lots of highly social animals based on human standards, uh, do things that, that we would deem totally unacceptable. But we're humans in a totally different species. So, um, so yeah, for example, I have seen, uh, a large number of males chasing around a female doing yeah. not particularly nice things to her. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's the way that they seem to operate, which is yeah. pretty terrifying. Yes, yeah, and you think, oh my goodness, this this animal that you know kids grow up loving, you know, like dolphins. Oh my gosh! And you're just like sitting there, like knowing the reality of of what shenanigans they get up to in the wild. But you know, as I tend to say on this podcast, you know, that's nature, baby. You know, that's just that's just what it is. I'm going to pivot a little bit into a more positive direction because I feel like we've been a little bit negative here. But what do you what do you what do you love most about dolphins? Do you think? I think we're we're just starting to understand just how intelligent and and aware of the surroundings many species are. Perhaps far more intelligent than we ever thought. And with many animals, that's actually quite hard to show. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing that I love about dolphins is that it's it's very clear that they ooze intelligence. And I think that's that's my my favourite thing about them. I've been lucky enough to film killer whales in Antarctica several times, and the the, the infamous B1 killer whales, which are uh, an ecotype of, of Antarctic killer whale that, that famously make the waves to wash seals yes. off of ice floes. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see them operating, just the level of, of complexity and and problem solving. You know, this isn't a binary behaviour that they just you know, find a seal and make a wave, but every wave 
is 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 dialed and specific to yeah. that particular seal and that particular chunk of ice yeah um and it's not just wave washing that they can do they've got this whole host of other strategies and um that is what is most incredible about them because you can see them problem solving and and it's not a ridiculous thing to say that they're using their imagination because mm. they have to spot the seal above the water by spy hopping, you know, where they, where they hop you yeah. know, the top half of their body out of the water, mm-hmm. uh, their head out of the water. They locate the seal. They then have to communicate to the rest of their pod uh, what the game plan is. And then as a team, make a wave. And at the point that they're making the wave, they can't see the target that they're trying to hit. Yeah. So they are imagining where that seal is. And that is, to me, absolutely mind-blowing. Um, huh. and and yeah it makes my brain hurt just thinking about it uh, that's a that's a really good point of of how yeah that you know what that's fascinating actually I've never thought of what animals have to imagine in order to be successful on a hunt you know or what they just imagine in general that's a really fascinating point what's that there's yeah it's that whole thing of delayed reward uh, yeah. You know, many animals respond to stimulus, you know, to, to get food, for example. Uh, and, and it's very clear that, you know, they do something and immediately get that reward. Mm. Um, but I find it most fascinating, fascinating when there's when there's, you know, several stages of problem solving to get to that reward. Um, that's, um, I mean, again, cool. yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, from a, I mean, I can only speak really from a zookeeping perspective rather than a, um, a wildlife filmmaking perspective. But like, you know, we, we see that all the time in training behaviours, particularly if you even want to break it down to something more simple, if you see uh, dogs at, at dog shows doing loads of different, you know, obstacle courses and things like that, they are, they are acting and doing these behaviours knowing that at the end there is some sort of payoff for it right they, there's a treat at the end of the of the obstacle course or whatever it is so it's um yeah it's de- it's definitely something that you see a bit more of in, in more intelligent animals who are like okay i am is this is the bit this is the building block to me getting what i want rather than the immediate gratification which is just uh it's just fascinating that's such a good point i love that amazing okay well bertie i think this is a wonderful place to stop because after we come back from the break Oh, this is going to be good. Uh, you are going to be helping me rate them on a scale of one to five of how much of an asshole they can be. And this is a great chance to just talk about uh, their behavior with a, a variety of species in the animal kingdom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Okay, guys, stay with us. We'll be right back. Wonderful. We are back now with the brilliant Bertie Gregory, who is going to help me ascertain just how much of an arsehole dolphins are by helping me rate them on a scale of one to five on their behavior. Okay, Bertie, we'll start with humans because obviously we're the most important thing on this planet. We'll start um, with how much of a um, an arsehole dolphins are to humans. What do you think on a scale of one to five? I'm going to go with pretty low. I'm going to go with a one. Uh, Ooh, okay. I think, I think they're in general very lovely to us. Uh, yeah. and they provide us with a lot of joy and happiness and uh well they keep in balance many of the marine ecosystems yes. that we rely on as humans absolutely right and um i do i mean i'm sure many people have read about the story of um the the dolphin that was shielding the uh human from the shark and things like that i think they 
I think there's sort of a, a mutual sort of understanding there where they, they sort of know that we're intelligent as well, right? They 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 look into our eyes and think, oh, there's something going on there. So um, that's, I think, one is a, a fair enough answer that, you know, dolphin attacks don't happen. You know, dolphin bites don't really happen at all. Like if you, you got bitten by a dolphin, then it's your own damn fault, probably. Um, I think that's a pretty good summary. Yeah. <laughs> one is a totally fair enough answer. Um, okay, excellent. We've got one out of five for that. So on a scale of one to five, how much would you say they're an arsehole to each other? Uh, I'm going to go with a, with a three, uh, mm. sort of, well, maybe a 2.5, uh, okay. because on the one hand, they can sometimes be a five in that they're pretty awful to each other. Uh, but then a lot of the time, they're all, they also show incredible uh, affection. I mean, they have some of the most amazing parental care of any species. Yeah. Um killer whales you know are a great example as the biggest dolphin um they they have uh you know grandmother behavior yeah uh, whereby you know the the matriarch of a pod will finish her own uh reproduction and, and then helps with her daughters raising their children yeah um, and there's very few animals other than humans that, that do that um and you know that level of, of parental care is uh is pretty special Oh, I love that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, uh, I, yes, they can either be like the nicest to each other or <laughs> I mean, you you can read like pretty, and I'm sure you've seen some some pretty dastardly behaviour uh, between. Have you ever seen um, like an adult? Yeah, I've, uh, I've seen some stuff that doesn't need to go on TV. Yeah, you're like, I've seen, I've seen some shit in my time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I read about uh, this sort of juvenile killing that can ha occur in dolphins and i'm just oh my god it's you know you think god guys you know and then you see these super pods that you know you said about five thousand strong and you're like these guys are clearly getting on all, all right if they're going to a, a feeding area harmoniously so yeah 2.5 i think is a good shout right down the middle excellent so we've got a one and we've got a 2.5 so the last set of behaviors what do you think on a scale of one to five how much of an arsehole are dolphins to other species around them well, I think let's go for a five, uh, just to be <laughs> controversial. Um, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, many dolphins are very near the top of the food chain. I mean, killer whales are the ocean's top predator. Mm. There's not really anything that messes with them. And so, yeah, given that they, they swim around and attack most of the things they bump into, uh, yeah. I think that, that's a pretty justified five. Has there ever been sort of observable altruism of dolphins to other species do you know where they have been seen to help other species despite not being uh, anything in it for them that is a good question uh, there must be an example um i mean besides us I, actually as humans like i mean yeah, you know, they, well, they help us there's, that's it. yeah there's there's a bunch of examples of them helping them i mean this isn't dolphins but i know and i just i have uh, them in my head because we're talking about killer whales but, uh, you know, humpback whales, there are many, many accounts of them helping, you know, breaking up killer whale hunts and, oh. and helping other other species. So there's, yeah, there's some great accounts of them swimming into the middle of killer whale hunts and, and breaking them up, which is which is kind of cool. I mean, it says a lot and it's like, OK, scientifically, why? Like, how can you how can you explain that? What's the benefit of the humpback yeah. whale? And I think scientists, the, the general consensus is that, you know, killer whales, some uh, ecotypes killer whales humpback whale calves and so yeah humpback whales are you know instinctively programmed to to break up any killer whale hunt right. see, and sometimes right. that is other humpback whales and sometimes that is, is other species that's interesting so, yeah. that's fascinating and that's that doesn't ask your question answer your question of, <laughs> it's still interesting of, of dolphins of dolphins giving uh, altruism 
yeah, I, I'm sure there are examples, but I can't think of one. Totally other, fast. other than, as you said, humans. Yes, that's it. So we're going for a straight five, um, which... Uh, yeah, I, I can see why you said that. So we've got a we've got a one, we've got a two point five, and we've got a five. I'm gonna do some quick math here. Bertie, hold on. I'm dig, dig, dig. We've got an eight point five out of fifteen uh, for how much of an asshole they are in total. Do you think that that is a fair score to give? Yeah, I think so. That's That's a, a fair assessment of uh, of dolphin behavior. Yeah, they they sort of they sort of fit just above middle. You know, just <laughs> of like. Has yeah. any animal scored a 15? No. And I, well, not that I've had on just yet. Um, I always What's think chimps. So oh, um, do, 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 do. It's probably been about an eight or a nine, you know. God, this is okay. a, this Never is. Top. No, yeah, I think capuchins scored quite high because I think they're just little <laughs> terrors. I, you know, God love them, but, you know, they are, they are little gremlins sometimes. But um, yeah, I think capuchins score quite high. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would be the day somebody comes on and is like five, five, five is going to be a hilarious episode, I think, and a really <laughs> interesting way to sort of look at animal behavior. And I think as people have probably heard me express in the past, I think chimps or maybe maybe a parrot or something would be that would be quite high on the list. Um, nice. But I love, you know, two species that are they're amazing. And I'm a huge parrot fan. So it's a. Uh, I'm excited to do those episodes in any case. But excellent. So we've got an 8.5 out of 15. That is incredible. So when we come back from the break, Bertie, we're going to do, uh, I think it's probably my favorite segment on the podcast. It's the true or false round. I'm going to fire some dolphin adjacent questions your way. It's about general knowledge or is it? And uh, you're going to have to guess. Luckily for you, it's 50-50. There's a 50% chance of getting it right, whether it's uh, right or wrong. Are you ready for that? Go yeah excellent all right guys stay with us we'll be right back this episode of arsehole animals with alice is brought to you by safe for disinfectant speaking as an animal professional zoos and veterinary clinics across the uk rely on the power of safe for disinfectant to keep our working environments safe from a number of diseases and infections their products are able to protect against common animal ailments such as ringworm parvovirus, compilobacter, and even coronavirus itself. Not only are their disinfectants a leading product in the industry, being fully approved by DEFRA, but their commitment to being an eco-friendly organisation shows their commitment to a better, safer future, as all of their products are animal cruelty-free and vegan-friendly. As well as their disinfectants, Safe 4 also stock odour killers, hand cleansing products and animal shampoos, making them a staple in the industry for maintaining biosecurity and animal health. So if you're interested in the strong and reliable disinfectant that comes in four different scents, you can find them at www.safe4disinfectant.com. That's www.safe4, as in the number four, disinfectant.com. Trusted by large organisations such as the Zoological Society of London, Universal and the Blue Cross, and with distributors in 20 countries, you know you're in good hands with the team at Safe4. Don't forget, if you'd like me to give a shout out to your product or organisation, you can always email me at arseholeanimalswithalice at hotmail.com. It's as simple as that. Now, back to the show. 
Excellent. We are back now with the fantastic Bertie Gregory, who is going to be answering some of my crazy true or false questions to see how much he knows about general knowledge or dolphins or maybe a bit of random stuff as well. So we are, we're going to hand it over to Bertie to try and guess. Are you ready, Bertie? Yeah, I'm feeling the pressure. Feeling the pressure. I mean, there's there the stakes have never been lower, really. <laughs> there is nothing at stake here. <laughs> okay, question number one. The word dolphin comes from the Latin word delphinus, meaning playful. Is that true or false? Uh, delphinus sounds right. Whether it means playful, I'm not sure, but let's go with true. That's actually false. Yeah, so <laughs> we... <laughs> starting off well. So, yes, delphinus is right. So that is the Latin word for, for dolphin. Um, dolphin actually comes from the Greek word delphus, which actually means womb. So a possible uh. way to interpret uh, how the Greeks referred to dolphins was a fish with a womb, which I think is awesome. Um, Very cool. I like yeah. it. So, um, Every so day yeah. is a school day. Exactly right. Exactly why I do this. So it's like, even if, if you got all five, I'd be pissed because I'd be like, well, you haven't learned anything today. Like, I haven't taught you anything. <laughs> So, yeah, actually, Delphinus does mean dolphin, but it was transcribed from the Greek um, because, as we know, the Greeks are older than Romans. So, um, yeah, but uh, it's actually from the word Delphus. Okay, I'll hit you with question number two. In the 1994 hit film Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Ace Ventura is searching for the missing Miami's dolphin mascot, a dolphin named Snowball. Is that true or false? I mean, the storyline, uh, I remember whether it's actually called that. Let's go with true, because the last one I got wrong. That is false, my friend. That is false. <laughs> my... <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel... I'm nailing this. <laughs> I actually, one of my guests, as I said, shout out to the amazing Jungle Jordan, who was on here talking about otters with me, got all of them wrong. And he was just like, I meant to do that. That was a complete on purpose. Um, so actually, yeah, I mean, the, you you got it right in terms of the the premise of the film uh, is correct, but it's the dolphin is called Snowflake. It's, um, have you ever seen that film? Uh, uh, yes, a long, long time ago. Yeah, we we do like Jim Carrey in this podcast. That um, those movies, are, in hindsight, are somewhat problematic. Snowflake, Snowflake is a great name. Uh, I once called uh, a little three year old polar bear Snowflake, see- and. Um, she got chased by wolves a lot, but she managed to get away, which was nice. Oh, so she's kind of the opposite of a snowflake. She's not delicate. She's kind of tough. Oh, no. She 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 looked delicate and yeah. was real tough. Yeah. She, was a, she was a speed demon when it came to being chased by wolves. Speed demon. I love that. I feel like snowflake's a more appropriate name for a polar bear, I would argue, than a dolphin, right? That's a bit random. I think, I think you're probably right, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who came up with that. Um, But yes, so uh, that one was false, I'm afraid. Okay, question number three. In the 90s, Mike Tyson had a pet dolphin called Maggie that lived in a large aquarium he built next to his California home. Is that true or is that false? That's quite sad. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, Given that I've got the last two, the last two have been false, I'm going to go with true. Man, it is false again, I'm afraid. It is, I, I know, this is this is honestly what I do to be, I sit here and I plot how am I going to trap like each one of my guests. So I'm sitting at my my computer at 11 o'clock at night, just like, well, you've what can I successfully trapped me like that dolphin. I know, and I'm I'm so sorry, but that actually all of that, everything I just said is false. Um, It's believable because Mike Tyson did actually, he owned three white tigers uh, in the 90s. 
who were then moved on to a sanctuary uh, after I think they bit somebody's hand off. Or so, one of them bit somebody's yeah, hand off. Yeah, but he, we, exactly, we we think maybe Mike Tyson would have a dolphin. That seems like very Mike Tyson behavior. Um, Mike Tyson actually currently has, and I read this and I thought this was really interesting. He has over a thousand pigeons as, as oh, pets. Wow. He keeps like a load of, of pigeons, of homing pigeons. So he's really, really into pigeons. I think one a story that he told as to why he loves pigeons so much and like how he got into like the aggression from boxing was that uh, a little kid ripped off the head of a pigeon that he was looking after and he went into like this blind rage and started like boxing. And so, I mean... Alice, that is some niche knowledge. I yeah, and <laughs> and that's it. I don't expect you to know this, but it's uh, you know, I do research for this, and I, I try and make it as as weird as possible. But he has a thousand pigeons, and he has a dog, but he has no dolphin. And so, dolphins, okay. Excellent. Okay, all right. Question number four. According to one study, dolphins like flute music. Is that true or false? Well, my only, I'm just drawing on my animal encounters the, the closest thing i have to encounter that was beluga with belugas which are whale rather mm-hmm. dolphin they love singing oh yeah uh, but they, well they actually that's a lie they love some singing so uh, yes. certain songs they really liked and i found that uh, yeah i was lucky enough to film on a david attenborough documentary and mm-hmm. uh, i had to sing to the belugas to get them to come close so i could film them oh, my God. and i found that they really liked adele uh, and and Jurassic Park. Um, I'm trying to think what they didn't like. That's I don't amazing. Think, I don't think they like Star Wars. So anyway, huh. uh, yes. And I, I also remember that the, the the guide that we had said that they once brought a guy who was really good at cello, and he played the cello like in in the boat, and that that resonated through the hull, and the balloons yeah. went crazy for it. Oh, wow. So I'm going to say yes. Dolphins do like flute music. Yes. Ding 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 ding. I'm going to put a little uh, sound bite here. Yes, absolutely right. So um, that is true. Um, apparently, a flautist from NAU School of Music took a boat out to an area with high marine mammal activity and took her little flute and she she played it there. So apparently within minutes, dolphins were swimming up to her and sort of dancing around the boat. Um, she actually observed that uh, high frequencies and particularly particularly intervallic distances between notes seem to draw in the dolphins more and excite them, like get them excited. So maybe just like super hyper flute, like, uh, yeah, it seemed to to make the dolphins really happy, which is, um, which is quite nice. Love I think. Adele is, how did you land on Adele to like sing to, is it just like, oh, what was it, whatever's in my head? What song can you absolutely belt? And, you know, all of Adele's songs you can belt out. So that was yeah. my logic. Yeah, that's right. I suppose if you do want like an epic power ballad, I suppose. Um, but no to Star Wars. That's such a shame. That's such a shame. Yeah. Gutted. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, well. Um, okay. Last question, Bertie. Question number five. In America, you can give birth to your baby in a pool with dolphins. Is that true or false? Wow. I hope that it's false this is true it's absolutely true it is yeah this is how crazy this is so this is it takes place in hawaii they're called dolphin assisted births and the idea behind this which blew my freaking mind is that you give birth underwater and the dolphin gently guides your baby to the surface for its first breath and my first thought was just like 
the, being in a pool, the first thing you're doing when you're leaving the womb is being in a pool with a wild animal, like of what sort of like germs are going to be in the water. You know, that's so dangerous for like a newborn baby. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Not to mention like, I don't know how these dolphins are being kept in in Hawaii, but that is an actual freaking thing that you can do. It's called a dolphin assisted birth. Um, wow. And it, it is insane. And guess how much it costs to have one of these? It is 95 grand to have your baby in a in a dolphin assisted birthing pool. It's insane. Wow. Yeah. It's it's just it's crazy to the level of um what people what people will do to have that what they perceive to be a magical moment with nature, which isn't isn't quite that at all. I've nice. got I've got one more bonus one for you, which I think might be a little bit more up your alley because it's to do with the dolphin knowledge. Do you want to give it a go? Go for it. Excellent. Okay. Is this true or false? Young dolphins pass the mirror test earlier than baby humans do. Uh, let's go with true. It is true. Yeah, absolutely right. So um, for those, I mean, the mirror test seems fairly self-explanatory, but I will explain it anyway. It's a study of sort of self-recognition by placing a mirror in front of an animal. So things like elephants and apes and even magpies, as well as dolphins, have passed it where they understand that it is them in the mirror. Um, apparently, human babies pass this test at around 12 months old, about a year, and dolphins can pass it about seven months which is absolutely insane. I guess maybe maybe part of the reason for that is that a dolphin comes out more able. You know, they can instantly swim, whereas humans yeah. are fairly useless. Yeah, useless like. until like five. And, <laughs> and and from what I understand, that's that's down to the the physical limitations of the female reproductive tract. So that mm. we have to come out fairly underdeveloped, and so our our brains and bodies do a lot of growing you know, on the outside. Yeah. Um, and maybe dolphins come out with a with a more fully formed like cognitive function, and, and so maybe that's why they're, they're that's going it. to recognise themselves. I yeah. think you're probably very right here. It's I, I mean I think there's only been limited studies about this as well. They also did a kind of a follow up study, which is called the Mark Test. Have you heard about this? Yeah, um, yeah, where well, you can recognise, you know. I've seen it with elephants where they put, yes. put a plaster on their head or whatever. Yes, that's it. So um, for for those listening that don't know what this is, it's where uh, the Mark Test is where the person studying the animal will place a mark, usually kind of drawing or absolutely right, as Bertie said, put a plaster on an animal in a place that they can't see without looking in the mirror to see if they will use the mirror to to identify where on their body this mark or this bandage uh, is. And um, so, I mean, dolphins have passed that as well, which is incredible. But I think, yeah, there really kind of does need to be a bit more study into like into how well they you know they comprehend their levels of awareness and, and their recognition about life but um but they do pass the mirror test earlier than human babies do because human babies suck at 12 months you can't do anything <laughs> like <laughs> pretty crazy okay Bertie on a I wasn't really keeping track but you did get three I think out of three out of six you got half of them right I think that's a pretty good score considering that I've had guests on here who have got two or below wow what a yeah I'm pretty stoked <laughs> you did amazingly well on that one okay Bertie brilliant when we come back from the break we're going to do our shout outs and PSA section where we're, we're going to talk to people about what they should know about dolphins okay guys stay with us we'll be right back our charity of the week segment this week is instead going to focus on a not-for-profit organization that participates in dolphin research this week I'm going to be talking about wild dolphin project 
Wild Dolphin Project have been studying pods of free-roaming Atlantic-spotted dolphins and bottlenose dolphins in the Bahamas. Their mission is to learn as much as they can about social structure, communication and behaviour in order to broaden our understanding of dolphins in their natural habitat. They have spent over 30 years cultivating a level of trust between them and the pods of dolphins that they study in the wild. They don't feed or interfere with them. In fact, the Wild Dolphin Project team adopt a mantra that says, in their world, on their terms. Their research studies pod dynamics and genetics, collecting faecal samples from the water as part of their genetic analysis. They also study how climate change is affecting where the pods reside. However, perhaps their most interesting and ambitious research focuses on dolphin communication, decoding and deciphering the ultrasonic sounds made by them using pattern recognition software in an attempt to eventually crack two-way communication between dolphins and us. There are many ways to help this incredible organization if you're interested in dolphins. You can become a member with varying tiers of membership depending on your budget. You can make a donation online or gift them something from their Amazon wish list, which will help their research fundamentally. Or if you'd like to see their research in action, you can even book a trip with them on their eco-friendly catamaran, snorkeling in the clear waters and learning all about what they do. To be clear, you won't be able to feed or touch dolphins. The Wild Dolphin Project team are strict about their in their world, on their terms mantra. If you've loved what you've learned about dolphins today, consider visiting their website at www.wilddolphinproject.org. That's www.wilddolphinproject.org and help their research into the fascinating lives of dolphins continue. Thank you. Okay, guys, we are back now with the excellent Bertie Gregory, who is going to be talking to us a little bit about what he thinks we should know about dolphins. Take it away, Bertie. What do you think? What, pe- what do you want people to know about dolphins? Well, I guess in terms, you know, you, you were asking me what, I guess, conservation and environmental issues are, mm. you know, big, big with dolphins. And I think the first one that comes to mind is often the hunt of dolphins. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of places in the world that, is, that are quite famous for hunting dolphins. I, I was just in in Japan, and it was really interesting because I think often we, we you know lots of people point the finger and say it's really awful that, that they you know hunt dolphins there, and I, I agree. I think it's it's gross. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say, having been there and spoken to lots of people, is that as expected, that's done by minority of a very small group of people right. um and uh, the vast majority of people there strongly disagree with it what i would also say is that if you do disagree with that and think it's awful um but at the same time eat lots of seafood right yes. i would bear in mind that the quantity of dolphins and other marine mammals that are killed every year by parts of the fishing industry is just a magnitude a huge magnitude greater than than any dolphins than hunted in in that famous cove in in japan so you know that's not to say that i'm pointing the finger at the the whole fishing industry um but just to say if you really care about dolphins 
and you do choose to eat seafood, think about where it comes from and, and how it's caught. Yeah, is there um, a particular is there a particular sort of um, stamp that you we would look for on seafood labels or things like that or particular companies we should shop with? You think? I personally uh, have come to the conclusion that where I live, uh, it is next to impossible to be sure of where stuff comes from. So I choose not to eat it personally. Yeah. I'm not going to tell people what to what sure. to do, um, but that is what I choose to do. There are places where I think you could be more sure as to where it has come from or if you catch it yourself. So, yeah, that's what I'd say with that. I think there are there's a huge amount of ambiguity and it's very challenging to do things in, in the ways that, that you mentioned. And a lot of the stamps and recognitions that are designed to make the consumer feel warm and fuzzy aren't as warm and fuzzy often as they may seem. You're absolutely right. That's um, that's such a good point to make. And I think we in the last sort of five, 10 years with with various documentaries that have come out that have highlighted the problems of overfishing and, and, and you know, inadvertent catching of, of animals in nets in the fishing process have made people a lot more aware. I'm not a seafood eater myself. So it's me asking you was like, I because I actually don't know where if it's ethical to, to eat fish anymore. I don't eat fish personally. So it's um it's a tough one, isn't it? And I think it's always worth doing research and and figuring out where your where your morals align and, and being a bit more educated about these things and how it impacts wildlife, especially especially if you love wildlife, especially if you're going in love going in the water and especially if you love dolphins as well. And especially if you're gonna point the finger at uh you know people in another country and say yes. what they're doing is awful. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Um, yeah, the one of my previous episodes was on sharks, and it's the the exact same thing with shark fin soup, right? With uh, we point a finger at China and say, yes, shark fin soup is bad, which it is. It's it's awful. There's no no excuse to eat shark fin soup. But when we when we consume things with um, the the oil that's in in, in sharks and uh, and aren't aware of it, it's it's being a little bit more aware and and taking the time to do the research. You know, it's taking the time to just be a little bit more aware of how we can all do small things that will actually make a huge difference to to the lives of thousands, millions of, of animals. Yeah, well, I, th- I think fishing fishing sustainably is very challenging. And like with anything, there's a lot of nuance and complexity to it. The thing that, that gives me hope is that the ocean is very, very good at rebounding if you give it the chance. Mm. Um, and I can't say too much, but recently on a project that I'm working on at the moment, we filmed this amazing marine protected area that uh, previously had been totally trashed by various things, dynamite fishing, shark yeah. finning, all sorts. And they set up a marine protected area and it has made an extraordinary comeback. And not only is nature benefiting, but the overspill from outside, you know, the, the, marine protect, the life in the marine protected area is overspilling outside into the fishing area. And as a result, the fishers are benefiting too. So that is really cool. That, you know, it's a good example of how wildlife conservation is, is good news for, for wildlife and importantly, good news for, for people. That's it. Do you think um, the break during COVID really helped as well or not so much? The, were people fishing less during COVID? Probably no, not, right? It's, it's, like... it's, it's an interesting one because, this, as I said, there's, there's nuance to this. We can talk about this for 10 hours. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think COVID had both positive and negative effects on, on lots of things. A good example with the wildlife world is that, you know, on the one hand, people talk about COVID giving animals in, in lots of places a break, which I think is true and probably a good thing. And then on the flip side of that, there are lots of places where 
protected areas are maintained by tourism dollars yeah. um, and that money disappeared during that time and as a result you know anti-poaching patrols and they weren't funded yes. so I think it, there's, there's two sides to everything. Yeah you're, you're absolutely right that's such a good point that we we focused on a lot more on the success stories during COVID. I, th- I think we wanted good news, didn't we? That, you know, there are, oh, there are dolphins in, in Italy now in the river, you know, rather than actually a load of money that would be going to, to conservation projects to, to help fund have been taken away because of no tourism at the moment. So, and I think really a lot of places are, are just recovering since tourism's only been, you know, kind of back up and running the last year or so, right? They're still sort of recovering from that that massive two-year loss of uh, of having people giving, giving nice donations to help them. So that's such a good point. Well, as you said, it's, it's you know, nature's in a pretty bad, well, not a pretty bad way, a very bad way. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty scary. Um, but yeah, as I said, what, what gives me hope is particularly when it comes to the ocean and we talk about dolphins today. Yeah, the ocean has an, an incredible ability to to bounce back if given the chance. It would be pretty scary if we trashed it and it was slow you know, and very difficult for it to come back. Yeah. Um, but it's not. It's, it's you know, if you give it the chance, nature will come back from unbelievable scale. So that's what gives me hope. That's amazing. I think, um, well, I think I'm personally very excited to see what sort of stuff you've come up with because I watched the, uh, the Epic Adventures on Disney Plus and it's amazing and it's it's so cool to see you just out in the wild doing what you love, just in the water, being able to talk to us about these amazing animals that are around you and what you're witnessing and we sort of get to do that journey with you. So I encourage anybody that hasn't seen it already, uh, Epic Adventures with Bertie Gregory is on, is on Disney Plus. It's it's amazing and I'm looking forward to seeing what amazing stuff that you have you have coming out. Thanks. Yeah. Well, we're working on season two. And, uh, yeah, that'll come out at some point. Have you got soon. a release date for it yet? Uh, not one that has been announced yet. I no. see. <laughs> yes. Actually, say no more. If, if you're interested, uh, you can follow me on Instagram yes. or TikTok or all those things. And uh, yeah, my handle's at Bertie Gregory. Excellent. Stuff there. Amazing. Bertie, you've been incredible. Thank you so much for talking to me about dolphins today. I was so excited about this particular species. They are just. I mean, they're amazing, aren't they? And it's so good to talk about their good behavior and their and their bad behavior too. And this has been another episode of Asshole Animals with Alice. I want to say a huge thank you to my amazing guest, Bertie Gregory, for taking time out of his uh, sunny day because it's really sunny where he is and I'm really jealous because where I am, it's completely miserable at the moment. So I want to say a big thank you to, to Bertie Gregory for coming on to talk dolphins today and a huge thank you to everybody listening. We hope you learned at least one thing about dolphins today. What one thing do you think you want people to learn about dolphins today, Bertie? they're very very smart very very social and i think they are not too dissimilar to us in many of the things that they do and that includes sometimes being assholes (laughs) that's a great tagline i love that (laughs) amazing guys okay remember everybody take the lint out of your tumble dryer before drying more clothes drink plenty of water and most importantly don't be an asshole bye thank you for listening to asshole animals with alice don't forget You can support the podcast by heading over to Patreon to become a donor. Each donation you make helps me continue to make you laugh and learn about the arseholes of the animal kingdom. You can find me on patreon.com slash arseholeanimalswithalice. It's as simple as that. See you next time.